Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented analytic discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Mel Moyer. Hello. Today, Mel and I will be looking back on the, what, 2003? Um, yep. Uh, Pixar film Finding Nemo. Uh, part of This is part of Mel and I's continuing Pixar uh look back what am i flash i don't even remember what a retrospective retrospective series yeah uh we have done probably about half of the pixar movies so far and uh today we'll be discussing finding Nemo, everyone's favorite um you can find out more about this podcast at overlyanimated.com or search for the overly animated podcast on itunes or your favorite podcatcher and subscribe there um if you want to check out mel and i's pixar podcast you can search for the pixar tag on overlyanimated.com um Oh, so you can just Google overly animated podcast plus the movie name and it will come up if we've done it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get it. Last last one we did was Good Dinosaur. Uh, today we're discussing a much better film. Uh, of course, <laughs> spoilers for this very old film and stuff. But uh, let's get let's get into it. Um, so as as uh, again, these are fl- uh, retrospectives, not reviews. So like. Mel, what's your history with Finding Nemo? Presumably you saw it some time close to it came out when you were younger. So my first memory of Finding Nemo is, um, I forget where, whether it was in theaters. I think it was with a DVD. And I'm going to have to go through my old Pixar DVDs to figure out which one it was. Because there was a teaser on one of the DVDs that had that song playing. I forget what the song was. It was some kind of like Castaway or something song. Oh, like one of the and annoying was, forced uh, things before the DVD. Yeah, yeah, and it was just like a shot of the ocean, and it just like was ten seconds, and it said Finding Nemo, and I was like, huh, and I was like eight, so I was like, huh. Um, I saw it in theaters. Um, I don't have too many memories of like what I thought when I saw it the first time. Um, I think the jellyfish scene yeah. stood out to me for some reason. Um, but interestingly enough, it's something I've always like really liked. Like I loved watching Finding Nemo, but I specifically disengaged with it. Like every time I watched it, like as soon as they they found Nemo and they had to do that whole thing with the fish and they had to swim down in the net for whatever reason, I found that to be the most boring thing in the world. Like so, after they got reunited with Nemo, I just literally like disengaged with the rest of the film. It was interesting. I didn't even remember um, that scene happened. Like that—that's definitely not one of like the. I actually have a, when we get to that, I have a hero's journey. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Connection to make with that. Um, But no, I've like always loved Finding Nemo. I think um, the characterization in it is a huge part of it because I think the, it's very formulaic for Pixar. Um, Although it does veer a little bit because it kind of has like the A and B plot a little bit with them journeying to find Nemo and then what Nemo's doing Mm -hmm. while they're journeying. Um, but it's always been like one of my favorites. Um, and I still really liked it even now. So, and it has, it's aged well. Yeah. That'll definitely be be a fine Pixar wine, a fine Pixar wine. I, which, what what have we covered that has not aged well? Uh, I think toy story, Story. we both agree, but most people would disagree with that. Whatever. Um, yeah, here's my big, I mean, I don't remember when I first saw finding Nemo. It was like, this is 2003. We were both pretty young. Um, for me, my big thing looking back on Finding Nemo is like I think this is maybe the most ubiquitous film of my childhood, or and even beyond that. Like I think maybe out of every film in existence up until like when I was growing up, I think this is the one that was I like saw most, was referenced most by people, was just like the imagery. Like 
I, this this is the film that comes up in my mind when it's like, which what did the substitute teacher put on when, when <laughs> you know, like that? It's like it's always this film. There um, was a funny American Dad joke about Finding Nemo. Was it was it involved? Klaus the fish. Mm-hmm. Like if you've seen him, he's in, he's their fish, and he's like at the video store, and he's like, "Dude, are you Nemo? Bro, people are looking for you." <laughs> and like for whatever reason, like I lost it the first time. <laughs> That sounds that was right. funny. Yeah, but it, yeah, no, like refer- stuff like that references. Yeah, like I just, I mean, I don't think it's currently like the most referenced film in like our generation. I feel like, like um, I've said before, that's Mean Girls, right? Like I think that's the most quoted yeah. film of people our age. But um, yeah, uh, but uh, it's this is this is uh, like this. I just yeah. I just the big word for me with this film is ubiquitous. Like, this is the film of my childhood. Now, like specifically, I would say, like when I was younger, Monsters Inc. The one before this was like more of an influence on me when I was like five or something, right? But this is like, this one's the one that was always there. It's just, it's just everywhere. It's like one of the biggest. Like, I think for people our ages, it's just one of the biggest like things. I don't even know. Do you have any sort of similar perceptions of this? No, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's one of the more referenced Pixar films that people will trust, like, other people to get the reference. You know, it's not even necessarily the biggest or, like, the most memorable, because, I mean, you've got, like, newer ones like Wally and Ratatouille, but for whatever reason, like, people make a lot of, like, pop culture references and jokes out of Finding Nemo. I mean, it's just, I took it for granted, but, like, obviously Just Keep Swimming just constantly said Yeah, no, people. like, it's like... Fish like, or Friends, Not Food constantly said, like, right? Like, right, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, yeah, like, that's that, the, yeah. the, the address that everybody knows yeah. in addition to their, like, home address, assuming you know your home address, but, um... I guess that's, like, the 8675309 of addresses, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like, and it's yeah. weird that it's, like, so quotable, and I mean, that might even just be in, like, the fact that it is so quotable, and a lot of those things do come from, like ellen's character stuff so it might be like you know cross um like just the crossings of like two kind of like big pop culture things but it also just might be the time in which it came out because before finding nemo the only really big pixar films were like toy story and bugs life i don't i don't think too much came out before it yeah this was the fifth pixar film yeah so and Bugs Life wasn't super big, right? So I Toy Story, Toy Story Bugs Two, Life. Much. <laughs> well, that's probably our next one. I just mean in terms of like grossing and like uh, uh, yeah. exposure. You know, I also am probably a more of a. I haven't seen it in forever, but I'm probably a bigger fan than most people. Um, yeah. yeah, okay. So rewatching Finding Nemo just now. Um, rewatching Pixar films. There's been like three categories. There's been like ones that I remember being incredible and more incredible. Ratatouille, Wally. There's ones that. Um, I remember there were that were like worse than I remember Toy Story. Um, and then there's ones that I remember being good, but were even better when I saw it now. The big one was Incredibles. Um, I remember being good, but I was blown away this time. I wasn't quite as blown away by Finding Nemo this time, but it's a really good movie. Um, I, I was I was surprised by the depth of narrative um, and like emotional narrative characterization. I didn't remember uh everything that was there some of it's super blatant but it's it works and um even though it's kind of we characterized nemo in past podcasts as like a like a road trip uh series of uh just like cool events happening and what's remarkable about nemo and why it works is every event that happens is genuinely interesting um i do agree the like the swimming downwards at the end in the fishnet is one of the least memorable but like i guess i didn't appreciate how much of a uh like a narrative and characterization climax that was um i think it worked a lot better this time than than i remember um mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I just I think it's it's more than the sum of its parts. Like the sum of its parts is already a good movie because every every like every big thing they run into is already really interesting and um altogether it's just uh it's like uh emotionally complex um good enough obviously it's not like the most complex narrative but it's good enough and the characterization i think is genuinely very good yeah so i don't know i was just very impressed by it i think this is like genuinely a very good movie uh potentially even like great or one in the top tier of pixar i'd be willing to consider it might have tiered itself up for dylan yeah i know i'm willing to consider it for the top tier like it's been around five for me right now which is like a tier below like the wally ratatouille tier this is one i think i've been trying to get you to do for a while too i think we were talking about it on the incredibles one yeah or something like that where we were and i never thought this i never was like okay this is a mediocre film but i just remember being good not great but i think it actually is great yeah yeah no i love it yeah, uh, something, I mean, we'll get into like all aspects of it. The thing that struck me the most, and you're going to love hearing this, is um, how incredible Ellen's uh, performance yes, is. I was, just, I was expecting that to be your like, your one negative. I was like, okay, overhyped uh, Ellen DeGeneres' performance is great. But no, she's genuinely like incredible in this. Like, it's just so much side comments that are just hilarious. Like, uh, all... I am um, in my brief stint in high school as an actor. And as an actress, um, I had to do, we had to do, um, like, scenes where we picked a character, but we had to improv as that character, and mine was Dory, and <laughs> I, like, rocked it. This I'm is Mel's gonna... defining moment as a person, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, rocked it. It was great, because it's, like, so, like, that's the thing, is, and I think it lends itself to, like, Ellen's abilities, like, in what she does. I don't even want to say it's acting or voice acting, because it's literally just kind of Ellen being Ellen. And the way she kind of just has like a cadence with her speech and the way like she takes lines or, or scripts or whatever you take it. like. I mean, I think that's a little show. bit like I think it's a slightly unfair. Like I think she's definitely <laughs> inhabiting this character, too. Oh, no, for it sure. Sounds like, like I'm not her, saying but... she's not not like acting because yeah. she is. But I think she v- has a very distinct way of approaching like comedic pieces. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, that just works so well. And it translated so well into voice acting. Um, and that's, you know. She's obviously their her character is the center focus of the next one. So yeah, I'm much more Something. excited for the sequel now. That um, I mean, I don't know if I'm excited, but like I was like, okay, this is gonna be bad. But but having seen uh, this movie again and how good Ellen is in it, then I, I think it's it's definitely it's like hey, there's no way it's bad. Like it might not be great, and I think it probably won't be great. But how could it be bad with with Ellen DeGeneres doing Dory? Right? Like how is that possible? Yeah. Um. You just, I, I don't know. Like, do you think, oh, Dory, I guess Dory's like the standout character of the movie. Uh, well, she's like the breakout character. Yeah. Um, which is somewhat remarkable because she's not connected to the like emotional center of um, like the bookends of the film. But what's kind of what's great about it is like they make Dory part of the the yeah. emotional center. Like they realize though how central of a character she is. And then like this, the central scene is um, them saving her at the end. Right. And it's, well, and it's interesting too, because the way it happens, like it's very, like it's totally character based in that way. Cause she's not something that has to do with the main plot. Like she's someone yeah. that he runs into <laughs> and she doesn't provide anything from a functional sense. Like she actually like ends up being sort of the detractor of like a lot of the, the um, like headway they make in their like, you know, road trip um narrative and then you know you got that scene where she's like no like with you you can't leave with you i remember things like with you it's easier and it's like really like just completely like character based and and character driven and and has very little to do with like 
what actually happens and more to do how characters react to what happens. So I think that's interesting, especially since I'm talking about fish. <laughs> yeah, and what, that's a, that's a actually a good topic. But um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if this somewhat related point scripts like this scripts like Finding Nemo kind of like astound me and it's in like nothing that happens in the movie is like super like groundbreaking and like but but like Andrew Stan and fellow screenwriters like recognized that um this character would have enough of an emotional impact uh place her in the spotlight in the final scene um it's just like recognizing how your plot elements like are going to be received and how things should come together and stuff like that I don't know. Like Finding Nemo seems so much more coherent and and complete than it should. <clears throat> be. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's it's um and I wonder if if it's like luck if it's because of the direction and helping the script but and of course the animation so it's a completely different process right um and I'm sure there's there's uh maybe more or less changes I don't know um but yeah I don't know this just it's like. I look at the Incredibles. I'm like, okay, incredible script, incredible film. This one, I'm like, okay, like good script, but like it's kind of surprising that it ends up being this good of a film a little bit. Yeah, and it's not like the script was holding it back either. It's just that I don't know. It's it's like well, it doesn't I, stand I think, out as remarkable, you know? No, and I think it also like has the benefit of where it is because if this came out now, we I don't think we'd, we'd praise some of the narrative aspects that high because this is what Pixar has been basically doing over and over again. Um. And before this, like, you know, it, it had, like, a couple of Toy Stories, A Bug's Life. Um, a couple of Toy Stories, yeah. I think the first two came out before this They movie, did, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so there wasn't really much to, at that point, to, to compare it against or to say it's kind of being derivative of. At this point, like, if it came out, like, yes, there are still things in it that definitely, like, the thing with Dory and the fact that it is a lot more... <clears throat> character based um in a lot of like those heavy like emotional moments and the fact that it lets it have heavy emotional moments is something i still think is unique to the film no matter what but i think a lot of the the narrative elements if it came out now we'd say well it's just pixar doing it over again because since then i think pixar has been remaking this kind of narrative just over and 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 that's one of our big points we've had uh in in many of the past podcasts is that pixar just has been trying to do Finding Nemo for several films now mm-hmm. and they're stuck on it and it's really not it's not healthy for them they're just they're stuck on this uh, past success <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like an emotional a person's success level they're but, a little stunted they need to like even their best even like clearly their best film recently Inside Out is just them again trying to do Finding Nemo and that even too is closer to Finding Nemo than anything else because you've got the A and the B plot structure as well that Finding Nemo has. that's true that's so. true. That's actually that's very true. I think Inside Out might be their closest movie to Finding Nemo. Yeah. And like the reason, but like, and I hope they don't conclude that they should do it again because <laughs> the reasons Finding Nemo successful isn't because it's like Finding Nemo. It's because they, it's like the you can the uniqueness, the approach to um this uh, not often approach subject, the emotional high moments. It's not the road trip, the seeing everything, the A and the B plot. That's not why Inside that like holds Inside Out back. That's not why it succeeds. Yeah. So I just and a good dinosaur is is that is the worst version of them doing uh finding and of course pixar is never going to make like a terrible film like i I don't even think cars 2 is terrible i think it's like i actually would classify cars 2 as good i think good dinosaur might be their worst film but um (laughs) even good dinosaur is fine like if this premise is very safe uh, well it's yeah and it's like comparing like what would be like an average film amongst really really great films is still a better film than 
Yeah, but a lot of what's out there. But I hope Good Dinosaur proves to them that uh, even if you make a fine film, it's your standards are too much raised at this point. Every, movies in general are too good now. I genuinely think the average quality of movie is is high. I, I think people would disagree, but like, look at Good Dinosaur, only three hundred million box office, their lowest in quite a while. So they they need to react to that. Um, and I don't know. We have a bunch of sequels, and who knows, like when they're gonna have a chance uh, i guess um yeah so i don't know there's some good point okay let's talk about finding nemo um how like they approach i don't know how much we have to say about this but like how they approach like it's a movie about fish right and it's in the ocean um it's interesting because at this point like people expect this kind of thing from pixar where they're like what if toys had emotions what if fish had emotions what if emotions had emotions like it's become a thing now where they, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, in Toy Story, where we, like, kind of cracked open this, like, repetitive narrative arc that just reuses this trope of, well, what if we give a desk emotion? You know, like, it's basically yep. they taking these, like, really fairly interesting concepts, but then slapping them over this preconceived mold. But it's interesting because it's, again, this is so early in kind of what we know as Pixar today. Um, and it's like, until now, like it hadn't really like registered with me that I'm dealing with like fish. Like this is like highly emotional film about fish. Like now I'm like, wow, that's, that's strange. But it's like in all the years I've watched my Nemo, like that never occurred. So like, here's the thing. We're all about like, okay, Pixar just like personifies things like, uh, just everything. Right. But when's the last time they did a film other than inside out which is middle ground like i mean i know it's emotions have emotions but at the same time that's like i don't think that's the same type of concept as as Mm -hmm. like finding nemo because that was like half real life it's clearly like it's clearly not it's clearly taking place in the real world i guess like inside out kind of yeah ish yeah but when's the last original film they have that is trying to do this concept we had a good dinosaur which i think it might be ratatouille uh exactly yeah it's 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 wally or ratatouille it's been a while like up was humans. Then we had a bunch of sequels. The brave is humans. Um, Inside Out maybe counts, maybe doesn't. Good dinosaur, uh, not doesn't really count. It's a, a subversion of that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but it really has been a while. They just like I don't know. Like I don't think this concept is the problem. Like the personifying something. Like here's why Finding Nemo's like setting and just like the entire concept is so great. It's because they just they they go all in immer- immersion in. Um, just like okay we're doing fish in a sea like it's just and they just do everything everything relating to that that they can think of and that's kind of like the whole premise of the film it's like okay we're gonna meet tons of like ocean landmarks we meet sharks we meet a whale and it's and it's just because they want to do everything from this per this concept of fish like are just like kind of like people and uh the ocean is like their setting and we even we like they even have half the movie in like a fish tank like to explore the other half of that too (laughs) that's that's kind of the thing and um and uh just it's just it's just remarkable how how deep they go with it and how like charming it is i mean i think the biggest standout to me is like the mine seagulls um which is it's just like them doing everything involving it taking it in some unique way i mean th- that's another thing that's referenced all the time I, especially in like annoying kids in school right just mind 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 right yeah it's it's they're outside the ride at epcot those seats. oh no they'll do that too. oh no but <laughs> that would be very annoying but yeah it it's highly it's, annoying it's but yeah i just i just think that i feel like 
I feel like this is a good way to go. I know I, I, I think that here's my thing. Like I know finding we've, we're trying to do finding Nemo again and again. And, and after finding, you know, what we've done, the personifying something that's not like human several times inherent in the definition several times since then. But I think that finding Nemo coming out now, even though it's one of the pioneers of this type of thing at the time, even if it came out now, I still think it'd be a very good film. Like, I don't think repeating it is the problem. I think they're just doing it worse. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Well, it's like a copy of a copy of a copy. Like, you know, you're it's it's like when you are making a key. And you've got the original key and then you make a copy and then from the copy you make a copy and you make a copy and eventually the key stops working because you're five copies deep and it's not going to fit in the lock, which is an actual thing, by the way, to <laughs> make a copy from a copy. But my point here is that, like, you know, you're copying off of yourself, copying off yourself, copying off yourself. Eventually it's going to get diluted to this, the most sort of, like, basic and... Um, shallow pieces of it i feel like and that's kind of what happened with the good dinosaur it was just pixar picking out the most like picking out what it knew about itself that worked across films but doing it in such a diluted shallow way that there was almost zero if if maybe even almost zero like zero to almost zero emotional connection in that film like i didn't get anything from it finding nemo like i'm still in that scene when when marlin goes to leave dory and she's like no don't leave i can remember things better with you and it's like wow like that's still really powerful and you know it's about fish and it's what over 10 years old almost 15 years old like you know it's it's trying to to be derivative of yourself and it just gets diluted with each with each iteration i think i think that um trying to redo the finding nemo narrative is a bad idea because it already wasn't a high concept uh, interesting one to yeah. start with i think there's like we said there's other reasons why finding nemo is good like i think i i think that that's not a good idea but redoing the personification thing i don't think that's been proven that that's a problem yet like i don't think that's the problem with good dinosaur um, I no, I don't. I, I think their their continued use of personifying different things is what's working for them, if nothing else. I mean, it's, they've proved that they can do non personification movies, right? Like they've done yeah. s- several successful human movies at this point. Incredibles yeah. enough, but um, Up is also kind of a in this category in the second half, right? Um, I'm actually one of the people who's not a big fan of Up. Ooh, we will discuss Up. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's um, I think that um, Finding Nemo, uh, yeah, I just I just think it would hold up. Like I think it does hold up really well. Like you said, I think it would be good if even if it was released now. And ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, yeah. I, what person? <laughs> yeah, who's that one <laughs> critic? Yeah, let's play that game. But uh, but let's discuss other stuff, and then we'll get back to this comparing it to like recent stuff. And I think this is a relevant question too because a sequel is coming out <laughs> this yeah. year, right? So yeah, in June. Yeah, that's very soon. It, like they yeah moved, it's shockingly soon they moved there hasn't it up been anything. that's there the thing that works there me. hasn't been like any promo except for that one um teaser yeah and it's in like four months like it's weird yeah um let's 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 talk uh i don't know what are we gonna talk more let's talk the the other emotional i mean we talked a lot about um dory but uh merlin and uh marlin and nemo and the <laughs> The uh, father-son dynamic. I think it's just played very well. I think the bookends at the end work really well. Um, and uh, I think it's a unique father-son relationship. 
at least. Why do you say that? Well, because normally when you get something like this, like Marlon's very much like the idea is like completely protective. And he's kind of trying to play the role of both parents. If you think about it in like a binary sense of like how like parents would be viewed at the time, like he's trying to, to play both roles. And it's interesting because normally when you have father-son stories where a father-son relationship is like at the center of the emotional arc, you know, more often than not, you get the the sort of like, am I going to join the family business? Am I disappointing my dad? And the point here is that it's all about like familial protection and familial relations and the fact that they're the only two that like they, they're all that each other has. Um, and the whole father-son dynamic doesn't play so much in that it's just like a parent-child dynamic, if that makes sense. Um, maybe. I don't know. I, let me, let me, okay, let me, we'll talk about this more and I'll understand. But like, let's, so what, what I like about, um, the, the dynamic is that, um, it's, it's like where we end up is kind of in a pretty healthy place. <laughs> I mean, it's like the movie isn't encouraging this, uh, like overprotective or this um forcing like like a lot of father-son dynamics in movies are like forcing masculine gender roles onto the side yeah that's what i'm and saying it's, yeah okay that's what you're saying cool um i'm very much all about uh all about Not discussing cool. how bad that is yeah that's <laughs> one of my big things so um yeah it's it's uh uh it's it's done in yeah yeah so most most are like even they can be done well and they're like still emotionally effective but it's like all about like Let's uh, teach you to, yeah, run the family business in some masculine thing. Um, I mean, the recent thing that stands out to me is Creed, I saw, which is um, mm. which is like not an actual father-son, but it's um, Rocky playing the father role to, you know, to his former, to his dead friend's son, right? So <laughs> it's, and, and, and that's like, I, that's like a super emotionally effective dynamic in that film. And that film's great. But at the yeah. same, but like what's, what this does that that's all about like toughening up and like, and the, to be, to its credit, it does more than that too, but it's like learning box and masculine stuff. And this one's like letting Nemo like do things on his own and, and just like, I don't know what 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 else was established at the end. That was the clearly the point of the. Well, yeah, like, I mean, it's kind of like the give and take, like to understand like protectiveness and like the fact that like because I, th- I think it's like a very universal concept whether like someone has lost someone or not that parents get to, it gets to a point um, in like development of a child or growing up that like they get you know they feel like kind of under the yoke of. Um, a parent no matter what so it's kind of like the give and take of the fact that a parent you know you could be four years old or 40 but a parent's like always going to feel highly protective of their child versus like understanding that your kids are people too um or fish too <laughs> um and you know eventually kind of are you saying that people to... are fish too yes okay um that you kind of have to like give them you know loosen the slack a little bit and that sort of thing. I mean, I think it's interesting in that that it's not like because normally when you've got these things in Pixar films, it's always that like the parent or someone was like clearly in the wrong, you know, yeah. like they always paint it in some way that either the parent or the child, somebody was like 90 percent at fault versus like 10 percent here. I feel like it's very much a meet in the middle ending, which may not always work like narratively or in film as you know sort of the dramatic ending but i think here helped to make it very realistic and it's like not even that that either of them are wrong like it's it's like i don't know it's like uh nemo learning that um 
Marlon being overprotective was like it's it's like he like it's not that that's not the reason he loves him or he, like mm-hmm. yeah it's like him like figuring that out for himself that his father really does love him and it's not Marlon learning that being overprotective is like the way to go it's that it's like the key is like loving him not like the the forcing it upon him type thing right I just I don't know I just think like neither it's like I don't know neither of them seem right or wrong and it's just like coming together with them and like this experience uh makes them closer you okay okay yeah i kicked my um my desk has a part that slides out that has my keyboard on it Uh, okay i I crossed my legs and just popped into it um yeah no and like that's what i like is that there's no clear right or wrong or and there doesn't need to be a clear right or wrong it's literally just communication or miscommunication or misunderstanding um between these two characters let's talk gender roles and finding nemo why don't we do that because that's related to this so finding nemo another male written male directed male main character pixar film right um but at the same time what's interesting i think about finding nemo is that marlin nemo i don't think either of them are particularly super male super codified male well and that's what i'm saying too like even like he is more of like a non-gendered parent I think they do a good job making Nemo a kid like a genderless kid right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and like Marlon is very much almost like a genderless parent I mean like I was just thinking about the film when does Marlon being like a dad and a mom no it doesn't it 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 never matters in the movie never matters like in a in a contemporary like or even traditional sense of the way like that has mattered like it never comes up like it comes up logistically because it's like oh I'm looking for my son I'm his father but that's it it's never like there's never masculine roles um, attached to either of them. Yeah, and I think there's moments early on when they have some stuff about that. Maybe when he's with his wife in the beginning, but um, For like two hot seconds. Like two hot seconds. Yeah, uh, main character, main <laughs> character, mom. Right. Yeah, but it's I don't know. This is just a very asexual, aromantic film, except if you like the beginning, which is not even that really. Um, just it's like the dynamic with. Um, with uh dory too is is just completely completely platonic yeah. right which is yeah. kind of no, surprising because i'm sure there are people on the internet <laughs> somewhere i have actually so, not sh- seen anyone shipping in this movie. i don't want to so i'm not gonna look but i you know and that's what i like about it too like it's and it never even comes up like even a little bit like it's literally just dory's this person that lives with them now and i like that there's no need to like clearly define like what you would consider her in the family unit you know where it's like is she like my sister? Is yeah, they, she like they don't, they, mom? They, like she's yeah. it. They, yeah, they she's do that not, and they don't get into new mom, which is good, right? Yeah, no, they could have easily fallen into I'm worried like, that the new movie will do that, but yeah. Yeah, it takes place, what is it, like six months after okay. the end of this. So. And, then, and like, of course they're fish, so it's like, oh, gender roles, but they're people, right? So it's, they're, they're people that are fish. But yeah, so I think, I think it's easy to see Finding Nemo as kind of the ideal, um, as like okay, I wish all movies like I literally didn't care what gender the characters were. Like, what other movie can you think of where you look at this and say like even Wally is just clearly gendered robots? Well, and we said that too about Wally and Ratatouille, like situations where gender didn't need to factor because these were rats and robots. Mm-hmm. And and this movie it actually it, like doesn't factor in. Yeah, it doesn't factor in because it didn't need to. And later we you know get to Wally and Ratatouille, and it does. Yeah, and I think that. Um, I mean, we discussed those already, but I don't think it's particularly super negative in either one. But comp- yeah. it's it's just there's some gendering and there's not much here. Like, mm-hmm. um, clearly, 
I don't know. It's but but the but is that um, if we get to a point where we're not gendering things, but they're still mostly male, that's still a problem. But um, at the same time, at this, I I don't know what's. Well, I mean, you know, and it works in the sense that if you consider feminism and the idea of feminism that you're trying to, um, you know, it's it's all genders. It's not just female. It's the equality of all genders. So in that sense, I think it's helpful because it's taking away from these damaging gender stereotypes on both ends because I think masculinity and traditional male stereotypes also hurt men as much as they hurt oh, women yes, and other genders. Yes, for sure, yes. So I think in that sense, like it really helps that. It doesn't help that yes, the majority of the characters are like coded as being male in a certain way, but it's it 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 doesn't do it does less it it's more neutral than it does harm. I I think that like I actually think this movie plays really well right now. Um, I think that like feminism of 10 years ago, this wouldn't look super, wouldn't look super favorably upon Finding Nemo. Um, just like caring strictly about uh, the female perspective. Um, but like, I think a lot of feminism now getting into intersectionality, I think this works really well uh, at feminism getting into gender roles type stuff and identity. Um, and from that feminist perspective, uh, I think that this, this is. Uh, a fairly progressive film kind of from that angle even if um traditionally feminist there's like one major female character um yeah and and i think it's seeing how our discussion on how like good it is that um they're like the characters are not uh materializing their perceived genders is proves kind of how feminism should be beyond that uh initial scope right yeah. And I mean, that's what it is, is these genders are basically, you know, it's it's how they're, you know, it's in the movie, it basically just comes across as pronouns. You know, these characters use she yeah, and he, yeah. and that's the extent of their That really is the gendering. extent of it, yeah. So, and I think like, yeah, you know, obviously it comes from a time, 2003, obviously, you know, we're still in a world where a lot of people are going to present things as binary and that's unfortunate, but for what it is, like, I think it's, you know, fairly awesome to look at it and say okay like it's not traditional masculine feminine roles um it's not even really masculine feminine roles at all it's just fish that use pronouns yeah and I'll, and obviously the next step would be not not coding them as uh gen male female in the first place but given mm-hmm. that you did uh this is about as well as you can do it right yeah um and that fulfills our uh expected talk about feminism and with finding nemo segment that uh i know many of you anticipated so oh that is that is what we are expected to do <laughs> this is the only place no, we had to talk about feminism in a movie about fish this is the only place on the internet you will find <laughs> it actually turned out like a pretty a pretty good uh conclusion i would hope so <laughs> i mean i mean um let me know if, if no and i i've been seeing that too a little bit we're not we're not some... let's say we're not the the experts on this right no and so well no but not by far no of course so not, let us i've been people. seeing you've been getting some pushback on your your blog i don't know about what but it <laughs> you was probably see uh you probably see very uh very male uh dumb people not yeah. like not liking that i'm calling uh ruby uh, calling it out for sexist stuff, so that's that's probably it. But no, I I, I do occasionally get get pushback on some things because, um, yeah, I'm not I'm I I, I talk about stuff, but I'm not the person. My question talk. for all that though is like, if someone wants to push back on something, before you're going to push back, ask yourself why. Well, like, I, why does I, why does it bother yeah. you to talk 
about the equality of oh well of, from that angle yeah yeah like why does it why is and, it bothersome and then from like like people saying like, like i'm i'm i shouldn't i'm no, no like, i understand yeah, yeah. That there's idea. like the I'm progressive saying, way of criticizing me. i'm saying look at what you're being angry about and ask yourself no, they, they don't care about that the the angry male exactly. part of people yeah if, if you're that. bothered by talk about equality amongst genders amongst race amongst sexuality then question that that's that's you... i don't yeah i mean maybe i'm too cynical but that's not gonna stop them so i know i'm just saying <laughs> yeah it's maybe a... they'll get angrier <laughs> maybe uh well i don't know have we received pushback on the pixar podcast I'm... no i don't actually think we have people have actually... i mean sometimes i get stuff and i don't publish it right so it, it does happen um i don't know what, were, what have we not hit on yet uh like i don't know we can talk about some of the specific stuff like what what's the, like uh kind of everything. we can talk about the fact that nemo's got a bad fin okay so do we think that this okay well okay let's get into more progressive talk do we think yeah. that this movie is a good portrayal of disabilities um i'd say it's a little bit surface level in that it's like you can do it like yeah can... well yeah and it kind of patronizes a little bit i think on Nemo and his disabilities because it's like, oh, he's got a, like, they say, and they say, like, things like, like, oh, he's got a gimpy fin and stuff like that, which probably isn't the best language to be using, even for a fish, um, because of what it... Do fish of, get free passes on? Well, uh, what of, my point correctness? here is because of the analog of what it is, you know, like, he's, you know, a disabled fish, which would then result, you know, in a disabled human person, since these are people as fish, um... I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting the way it's played because it's one of the key reasons why Marlon's so protective is because he's very aware that Nemo has a disability and he's constantly saying to like his teacher and stuff. He's like, you know, like if he he gets like tired yeah, swimming. And, and the message in the end ends up being like, it's like you can do it even though you're disabled, right? But yeah, yeah. So from that angle, but I also think it doesn't do. I don't know. Again, again, I'm not the person to talk about this, but. Um, I, I think that, I think that I don't know. I it's I think that if I was looking at it from that perspective, it would be different. Well, it was interesting because one of the things we talked about in my children and culture class in college, um, I, it was one of our early discussions, if not the first discussion we had in class, because it was one of those classes where he's like, "We're going to do things for the first two hour class." Um, we discussed the idea of disabilities as being a social construct because of the way society is kind of catered towards people who don't have disabilities. X, and like, X is a social construct. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, oh boy. Really? Well, because, like, the example he gave, it was, like, you know, sidewalks and the fact that, you know, like, they're raised off the ground and therefore, like, can be difficult for some people who have certain types of disabilities, but that's only because we made them that way. Disabilities but, are purely relative. Yeah, it's a completely relative. It's the same thing with mental disorders. Concept. They're relative. Um, and I was going somewhere with this. They're relative to the norm. That's why they're disabilities. They're di yes, different from they're, yeah. They're real, yeah. So like, and then like, it's it, and it's interesting taking that into account because the way they play it with fish. Because I think there's certain characters that point out the fin situation, and some that don't even really like. I don't think the teacher mentions it at all. Yeah, um, yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. The the manta ray teacher. Yeah, the manta ray teacher. Manatee or manta ray? Manta ray. Manta ray. Manatees are the giants. Yeah, they're fatter, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're no longer endangered, actually. Yeah. It's recently got the on Tumblr post being like, this is the happiest thing I've seen all day. Yeah. They're cute. Um, and I don't think the turtles 
talk about it a little bit. So yeah, I mean, like they didn't. I don't think they touched it because I don't think they wanted to. I think it came up where they needed it to come up, and they just kind of let it. Well, I think I think you could view them like I just said. It's kind of like I said before that the end of the film is like you can do it despite that, which is a little bit yeah. of a message. But I also think from the other perspective, this movie is about Marlon learning that his need to coddle his disabled son. That is, it's it's fine, right? So yeah. I think from that perspective, it's okay too. Which is like, which is the same. I literally said the same thing twice in a different tone. No, and I think it's like uh, it's an, it's unproblematic. I think the portrayal for the most part is yeah, neutral to yeah. unproblematic. <laughs> I'm not I'm not confident enough in the subject to say that it's un, it's completely 100% unproblematic. I think that I'll leave that to others, but for like as yeah. far as I can tell, I feel like this is pretty innocuous. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. Well, maybe it does come up more and I don't. This is the type of film that you like I am not I don't know. I'm I haven't seen too much from like the ableism side of of Tumblr and stuff, but um this is the type of film that you would be like people criticizing and then you'll see a post saying this, if was... this came out today no you'll be no then you'll see like a, a someone reblog it saying shame on you this was really important to me growing up that uh helped me like have a better mentality involving my see, disability that's gonna get you back that right, there. right like that's like that you'll see that type of exchange and it's really complicated because it means something to one person and no, the other person's and trying to view it objectively just... right and it's i just think people have a short fuse behind a keyboard well, I, think, I mean, I, think, I don't. Think it, I don't think it has much to do with the topic so much as it has to do with the way people. I are think going. that, like, uh, this is not related. But if you look at those types of posts, just eliminate the tone somehow. And I say that, of course, like having a blacklist on. You are a, a master of eliminating tone. I can't do it at all. I well, here well, I do coddle myself because I I blacklisted many of the uh, like I have spread and wildfire wildfire uh, blacklisted on Tumblr because I just hate it too much. Um, but like, there, I have a lot like that. But like, if you can try, if you can try to eliminate the the language from it, it is kind of these interesting back and forths about perspective, and I think it's it's interesting to try to take all of them into account and like the like that type of thing. I said that's a very hypothetical Tumblr chain, but um, that's the type of thing you'll see. A lot. Well, and I also think it's hard. Like in this, it's obvious because obviously you've got this disabled main character, but I think for a lot of things, it's hard to predict what people are going to take from what. Um, in these situations, like this one's a more obvious one, but I think like it's kind of a falling down the rabbit hole of tumblr where you know someone's always going to have that about something and then I, I think I probably is always going to go get offended about it at someone and yeah then, and if you just take away like the like if you, it, it, if you, like take away the like offended part people still are like like i in the, the hypothetical post i gave those are two interesting perspectives right so i think it's just it's 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 uh I don't, these things aren't like super like linear in terms of problematic, not problematic, that different things mean different things to people. Um, also in my hypothetical Tumblr post, I think I use shame and I think that's one of the words I have blacklisted too. So that's, <laughs> I, I, I wonder how many posts I miss just that like incidentally have these words, but like I've spread blacklisted. But <laughs> okay. That's a lot of things. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Comments on any of this are welcome. Um, I think it's interesting to talk about. Um uh, I, I kind of want to getting getting towards the end of the podcast. Kind of want to briefly hit on the many uh, apps, things that they run into. I guess um, like the like the sea turtles that kind of happens in the middle. Kind of a standout one, I think. Um, the hundred fifty year old surfer sea turtle. Um, I I I I don't know. Like that that played a little bit better than I remember. I think that was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like the school of fish. Uh, that's a classic with, uh, Ratzenberg, Jasmine, the Ratzenberger voiced fish. We have yeah. the jellyfish. Of course we have like the sharks. The I think the sharks are, yeah, that's one of the, the standout ones for sure. Someone else, one of the whales is, um, 
Eric Bana is one of the whales. One of the sharks? Or one of the sharks, not yeah. one of the whales, yeah. One of the sharks? I really like the yes. sharks mocking dolphins. I don't know. That was just... Oh, that's another thing I want to say. This I should have said this in the beginning. This film's genuinely funny, like, several times. Like, yeah. it's kind of consistently funny. Escape is another big one. <laughs> that's, another... <laughs> that's not even funny, but if you... Qu- <laughs> like, that's the type of thing you shouldn't... Like, it's funny no, to quote it because it's not that is one of those things funny. that until the day I die, even though I know it's coming and I've seen it 20 times, I It's laugh. not funny. <laughs> Escape. It's, it's, it's just the way she says it with such conviction. Yeah, no, She's Ellen, like, Ellen like lands a lot of these lines. Like seriously, it's, it's funny. It's spelled just the same way as escape. <laughs> it's funny. It's really funny. It's, it just keeps swinging part into the the light on the. Seriously though, I think when they're writing this movie, they're like, "What's everything we can do with the ocean that we can do?" And then we put it in a line of things. Like, yeah, it's hard to unsee that now that I'm thinking about. There's krill. Yeah, in the uh, in the, like, in, the uh, in the mouth like of the, the, the whale, literally belly of the whale. Yeah, um, the speaking the whole speaking whale thing. Like, <laughs> she's really good. Like that <laughs> that was really funny. And then at the end, it's like it's like it's, was she really speaking well, or did she just forget that she can speak well? Yeah. Probably the latter, but who knows? <laughs> she's like, oh yeah, I speak well. Once you start to think about that type of stuff, though, like Dory can read. Why can Dory read? Like, what what is? That? Well, that comes up. Because Marlon's like, you can read, but like nobody ever like chases what that means yeah, or why no, she can read. She can kind of read. Once we get into it, it's it's not going to make sense. Yeah. I wonder if they'll talk about that in Finding Dory. Do you want to talk about how white this movie is, even though they're only codified white or whatever? I'm, I think I'm, I'm using, interested. I think I'm using codified wrong. I don't even know what no, I No, mean. they're, no, they are. Because um, they well, I mean. No, I mean like, I mean like put on to them, right? Like what is. Well, yeah, that's what it is. Is that what it's that word is? Yeah. Coded. Yeah. It's codified the noun version of coded. I just said it's a noun version of a noun. So coded is the adjective. I don't care about the specific parts of speech. Point is, you're saying the same thing. They are coded a certain way. Okay, let's let's assume that what I'm saying is correct. Yeah, no, every everyone in this movie is codified white. Yeah. Um, I think we've discussed this. I don't know. I don't have too much to say about that. And the the humans that you see are white. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, where are we going to Australia, right? Like, that's that's the place we're going. That's the <laughs> exotic place you're going to come up with is the white part, right? Well, and that's the thing too is like you could talk about, you could try and get into sort of Aboriginal culture in Australia. But oh yeah, oh oh oh. They've oh. they've got blonde dentist man with his scary white niece and his white secretary. <laughs> talk about his uh, niece. Oh yeah, his secretary. Oh, Dil- 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 what was her name? Darla. Darla, yeah. I, knew, I was getting, I was close. I love, I, the one thing I really like is how they portray like her like super menacely hitting the glass and then they pan out to the outside and it's just her lightly tapping it. Like, yeah. It, it's pretty she breaks cool. a mirror too, I think at one point when I she guess. turns and smiles. <laughs> she only has like three lines. I don't think she says much. But uh, my perspective this time was that she's not really a menace. I think she's, they just think she is. No, she's just a child. She's a child, yeah. And plus, like, you're taking it from a fish's point of view. It's like torture. Oh, God. Like, there's a child here. When you were talking about, like, you had some, you were talking about something involving, like, fish and, like, and I just, I was imagining, like, what would fish Donald Trump look like, like, in this movie? That's what, I don't know. That's what. You still have the hair. I know it. Even though fish don't have hair. I don't know why. It it made sense in the context of our conversation about, like, political fish. It'd probably be one of the mean sharks. I was going to say something else, but I don't You think he'd be a shark? I think that's giving him too much credit. He'd be the dumb shark he that makes... He's, he's the dumb shark that makes fun of dolphins. No, he's the one that makes fun of dolphins, the dumb one. Oh my God, because he did do that in a 
in a speech and nobody talks about it. Made fun of dolphins. Not dolphins. He made fun of a um, disabled reporter. But and he's made fun of everyone. So he's made fun of everyone, but specifically, like almost a perfect analog to making fun of dolphins. Why come dolphins disabled? Is that what we're? No, my point is though that he was like, <laughs> he was like mocking a a another person the way that they mock the dolphins. It just so happens. Yeah, that I think that fish is that fit, who wait, but what? Who's uh, Bruce then? Bruce. Um. Hmm. Wait a minute. The Bruce is the big fish, the one. Yeah, he's the he's the big shark. I don't know. He's also kind of Trumpy, right? He is because he's like. But Trump would never try to reform himself that much. Picks on the little guy. Um, yeah, he would never make friends with Dory. Yeah, they're like stupidly still friends with Dory. It's funny, like as he's like attacking him, he's like, "I'm sorry." No, the other ones are saying, "I'm sorry." Yeah, right? they're like, "He's really not like this." Yeah, and they're he, all like pops in and out. They're all Australian or whatever. Yeah, yeah, British. I don't know what are they. Oh yeah, because there's that joke at one point where they're like, "Oh, he's probably American." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, the movie takes place on Australia. Yeah, but you could have the sea could be anywhere. I don't know. It's funny because I think Americans are the only one who find novelty in anything like that. This is what I've noticed that they're uh, like, the oh, accents. the movie takes place in Australia. They've yeah. got Australian accents. How funny is that? Nobody else like finds that funny the way we do. Because obviously we think of ourselves as the default and everyone else is. Although I suppose everyone thinks that way to a certain extent, but it's like hyper with America where you think of yourself as the default because you're like, you constantly make fun of Canadian accents. We're like, a boot, eh? And it's like, it's not like, you know, it's, it's a novelty, but everyone else is like, calm down. And I think that's one of the things in this movie because everyone's Australian. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's like a fun novelty, but I don't think anywhere else in the world it's as much of a novelty as we think it is. I, I guess. I guess. It's also interesting that, well, I guess it's because they're farther out because they're on like the reef, but the sharks are Australian, but Marlin and Dory and nobody else is. Yeah. That's, in, yeah, it's just Albert Brooks there. Yeah. He does a very good job, by the way, in this. Albert Brooks. I think he's very good in this Might. Um is, is Nemo, is the kid who played Nemo coming back to actually play Nemo? I don't think so, because he's 21 years old. He is 21. But I can look. Um, I guess not, because they put it on his way. No, wiki. they've got a new person. Hayden Rollins is Nemo. It was Andrew Gold was the original Nemo. Uh, Alexander Gold. Yeah. Alexander. I knew it was something with a name. No, this is a new kid. Okay, let's briefly. Okay, let's close it out by talking about um, Finding Dory a little bit. So coming out pretty soon. Hey, Keaton. Let's read the cast. Finding Dory's mother. Ellen Albert Brooks, Hayden Rollins. Yeah, this is the new Nemo. Diane Keaton, Dory's mother. Eugene Levy, Doran's father. That's interesting casting. Oh, a whale. Uh, Ty Burrell as a Bailey, a blue whale. Um, Caitlin Olsen as Destiny, Dory's adopted sister, a whale shark. Inter- <laughs> Dory has an adopted. Okay, so they're going. I what that means. Okay, so they're going. So they're going somewhere with the Dory speaks whale plotline. It's she learned it from her adopted sister. Okay, Ty Burrell as a whale. Ed O'Neill as Hank and ill-tempered Cyclops. What? Willem Dafoe is back as Gil. No, an ill-tempered octopus. Uh, octopus. Okay. Illiterate. <laughs> yeah, no, I have a live some of this too. Uh, Vicky Lewis as Deb uh, again, right? 
Oh no, they were Deb and Flo. Yeah, that's yeah. Gail was from the first one too. Yeah. yeah. Um. Wait, is is uh, Idris Elba? Oh, Hank was okay. No, Idris Elba as someone. Dominic West, Mar- Michael Sheen, Bob Peterson as Mr. Ray. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's it. Um. So, uh, what do you think of Dory's parents? Um. Very worried they're going to go romantic with Dory and. Yeah. Arlen, yeah. No, I was considering that being something I was afraid of because it's taking place so close. Taking to place the- six months after finding Nemo, Dory suddenly yeah. recalls her childhood memories, remembering something about the jewel of Monterey, California. Accompanied by Nemo and Marlon, she sets out to find her family. She arrives at the Monterey Marine Life Institute where she meets Bailey, a white beluga whale, Destiny, a whale shark, and Hank the Octopus, who becomes her guide. So she was bred in captivity? I guess. Awesome. Bread in captive, captivity, she says about fish. <laughs> well, I think of it because that's what the sign said in Harry Potter when he met the sh- the snake, and it was like, "Oh, have you ever been to Burma?" And he was like, "This he just going to turn the sign," and he was like, "Oh, <laughs> bread in captivity." Is this movie just going to turn into the beginning of Harry Potter, where they it like might. they go to a zoo, um, and this uh, young British boy comes? She and, like, speaks whale. It makes sense, and then like, talks to Dory, and then. To- and then, then Dory like consciousness transfers someone. into like uh, Hermione, and then Dory's now Hermione. Is that what's happening? All right. Um, I stopped listening to you. I was. Um, I had a really good fanfic going. You were just not paying attention. You always have one of those. Um, I don't. I'm actually very because that, that that's to the point where it would be kind of like squicky with me. Like I don't want Dory and Marlin yeah, to have a romantic definitely. thing. That would be weird and gross. Um. Yeah. So I hope they don't. I hope they realize that a lot of people would find that really gross because I think they have like such a platonic, like asexual relationship. Um, but you know, we'll see. Whatever. We'll see what they do with it. We'll see on June seventeenth. You're gonna be there, uh, midnight showing. They I probably actually, they probably will have midnight showings for this. No, they will for this. Well, they don't do midnight showings anymore. They do like seven p.m. showings. They do, yeah, yeah. But I will, no matter what, I will be doing that. No matter where it will be. I always liked when I was at Disney and Epcot at the aquarium is they had a a blue tang and a um, clownfish together in a um, tank. So it was always everyone's goal to try and get a picture of them swimming near each other. (laughs) Um, It was rare. Typical, typical. But it sometimes worked out. The poster of this film is Have You Seen Her? And a picture of Dory and uh, anemones or whatever. Maybe she takes off. That's their like uh, save her, like free her, free her, free her, free her. Have you seen her? Free her. That's what that means. Oh, that's what it looks like. Yeah, free her. Free her. Yeah. Why haven't we seen a Tumblr post with free her? Uh, I don't think I've actually. This is the first time I've seen the poster, so I don't think it's what. The interesting that they're not doing any promo on this. Free her. I mean, Ellen's got her countdown that she's had going for like two years, but. How much money is this movie gonna make? I'm not sure. It's gonna make the first one made over nine hundred million. Yeah, I wonder how much people will be super excited for this one. I mean, obviously, I, people like you. No, yes, they're going to be but, super excited because Ellen's like the main and like. Come I on. mean, I know Ellen's it's like popular, draw. but we're talking like everyone seeing this. So. I'm glad that we can just revert to her as Ellen at this point in everyone's like pop culture lives. By the way, unless you're, I always love when you can refer to a celebrity by their first name and everyone just knows. Yeah, I mean that's it's her, right? Yeah, it's Ellen. Not hosting the Oscars this year. Well, no, it'll be exciting because there's going to be a, probably a lot of commentary on um, oh, yeah. Oscar So White. So I'm oh, yeah. excited. It's going to be going to be interesting. Okay. I like that snap you sent me of the vanilla Kit Kat. 
Wait, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, took, I took a screenshot of it. Dylan sent me a snap of a vanilla Kit Kat, and the caption was Oscars be like. Well, it's like, no, it said like Kit Kat White. It's right? white chocolate or something no, like that. No, it's like Kit Kat White. That's like the name yeah. of it. Yeah. Okay. And this was like right after that happened. So it was culturally relevant. Not that it's not now, but. It's always culturally yeah. relevant. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm glad we chronicled my snap forever now. In, because it's a, it's a fleeting moment, but now it is a permanent, a permanent one. <laughs> I have it. I took a screenshot. It's always been permanent. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's not actually fitting. Okay. Uh, we've we've successfully filled to an hour, so we yeah. can conclude our fi- um We don't have to... There's not much problematic going on in this film. I think. <laughs> Where do you want to rank Finding Nemo? Um, I don't have to literally rank it, but okay. I'm going to give you films. You tell me over or under, okay? Over, okay. Uh, Wally, over or under? Uh, I'm going to say over. Yeah, that's what I thought for you. Um, inside Out, over or under? Um, probably over. Over, okay. Um, what did you say was your favorite? I can't even remember. I think The Incredibles was my Yeah, favorite. yeah, probably Under The Incredibles, right? Yeah, it's Under yeah. The Incredibles. Yeah, for me this was about fifth before. It's, I, I, I'm willing to put it in the same tier as Red. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I had it as my third, my third. Oh yeah, you did rank it. Something. in front of it, but it was yeah. my third. So I can put this like in the lower part of my top tier with Wally, Ratatouille, and um, The Incredibles. Potentially Monsters Inc. Need to see it again, so. Oh. Not sure yet. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the few films I actually remember seeing in theaters, but I wasn't. I mean, that was super. Not, yeah, super I'm not young. big on it. Okay, so let us know what you thought on any topic here, and uh, you want to do you want to commit to Bugs Life as our next one whenever? We can. I freaking love a Bugs okay, Life. Okay, we'll do a Bugs Life next whenever. The other ones we should do. And we should do sooner. Toy Story two because we did Toy Story okay. one and Monsters Inc. Those are the ones that are higher priorities. eventually we can do cars and cars too but that's not important i have actually never seen cars so it'll be interesting that will be interesting okay i'm dylan heist and that's mel moyer uh all of our social media links and stuff you can find at overlyanimated.com so subscribe to us itunes youtube overly animated uh on your on i uh, I just said itunes already on your favorite podcatcher that's my new thing that i'm saying and um podcatcher yeah it's apparently so like a pokemon thing (laughs) it's like other other itunes type things but yeah, it's a, oh. but yeah, it's a Pokemon type thing. Yeah, um, you can support us on Patreon.com/slash Overly Animated. Thanks to our current patrons: Shayna, Mitch Cordell, Beatrice, Nate, Andy, Jamie, and Rachel, aka Hey Not Fever, Mitch Canon University, Beatrice Exchange, Buzz Like Your Mailman, and Rachel Rose. Um, future. I don't know when I'm releasing this, so I don't know what's next. <laughs> <laughs> like I actually have a, like a queue for a podcast right now. Like we actually that's recorded good. a lot, so that's good. Um, yeah. You and Delaney are on the. Uh... The recaps or what have you. Yeah, we did our normal weekend too, and then you had you guys had one earlier, and then today, and then uh, we did one, and then I might have a me and Sam did one from before. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Okay. Uh, last thoughts, smell. Um, I really like Finding Nemo. Cool. Yeah. Um, fairly high or fairly high on this. That's yeah. good. Uh, we will see you guys next time, whenever for this next. Fix our one and soon for general podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye. Yeah.